Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Smite Street Church weekly podcast. Pastor Werner is speaking today. You know, no matter your background, your age, or your story, we believe that you matter, and we would love to have you as part of the SSC family. So why not join in? Head to our website, ssc.church, and click the I'm New button. As we listen together, we hope that you'll be inspired to follow Jesus. Let's head on in. About, I think it was about 35 years ago, um, <clears throat> my wife and I bought a little piece of property and we were building, building our, I was building my first house and I had done some carpentry work so I was doing it myself and I remember uh, drawing out my plans and showing it to my wife and saying to her, so this is how it's going to be, here's the bedrooms. Here's the kitchen. And she would just kind of look at that um, and she'd say, uh, I don't quite understand everything, but I know it's, it's there. You know. So then I thought I'd do something more brilliant and I took her out to the piece of property and it still hadn't been cleared and I stood her out there and I said, um, so this is where the, the front door is going to be. This is where... This is going to happen over here, and this is the front window, and the bedrooms are... And she just stared at the whole thing, and then finally she said to me, it just looks like a bunch of trees to me, you know. And, and you know, so I was trying to explain to her uh, a little bit how it's going to be, but it all came quite clear to her when the house was finished, and she walked in the door, and then everything, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this is great. And that's been the house that we've lived in for the last 35 years. <clears throat> so I say all that to say this. We, you, you would have got <clears throat> one of these on the way in. It's, it's, um, it's our, our next reading schedule. And it's going to be the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is this really cool book that, that is telling the Hebrew people that have become Christians. It's telling them how the Old Testament was just kind of like the plans or the, the, the kind of looking forward ahead to something much more greater. And so <clears throat> as, as, they would, as they would read this, there was always this idea that there's going to be something better coming, something better coming. And then, uh, you know, when they built the, the, the temple, all of that, no, 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 there's going to be something better coming, going to be something better. And Hebrews is there to tell us that Jesus is the greatest thing. That Jesus is that greater thing. And so as we read through that, so we're looking at the kind of the, the culmination of the purpose of the book is found in, in Hebrews 12 verse 2, where, where it says, and read it with me out loud, looking onto Jesus, author and finisher of our faith. So everything, everything goes to look to Jesus. So as you... As you read through the book, it encourages you. It, there's great encouragement as to say, Jesus is greater than anything you face. He's greater than that. So I encourage you to partner with us. Read, read with us. It starts on, on Wednesday. How many know what's happening on Wednesday? I noticed most of the women uh, were the ones that jumped on that quite quickly. <clears throat> but it's also the first day that you do your reading in the book of Hebrews, and so really encourage you to partner with us. The sermons and the messages are going to be around 
this book and, and what's, what's, in, what's in this book. Today, are you, are you ready for something today? There's a few that said no, nothing. Uh, you, you, you guys can leave. Um, what would I do if like half of you just left? Go, see if I care, you know. No, no, no. Yeah, all right. All right, let's try to be serious here. All right. Today I want to talk to you about prayer again. And it is in particular, prayer's beautiful mystery. And um, here's the thing. The more you learn about prayer, the more it, the beauty of it develops in your life. And the more you will find that, that it kind of has this wonderful mystery to it. And, and so we're going, to, we're going to be looking at a poem in uh, kind of opening up this beautiful poem by George Herbert, uh, uh, 17th century. So the English is, is kind of old. Uh, somebody was doing a spell check on my slides and they said, there's so many mistakes on your slides. And you'll see why in a minute. But, but George Herbert uh, was this Anglican priest that really had an encounter with God. And he did some uh, amazing, beautiful poetry um, and this particular one is, this poem's called Prayer. Actually, it's called Prayer One because he did more than one uh, prayer uh, poem. And this poem contains some of the most beautiful description of prayer in the English language. It's made up of 26 metaphors <clears throat> that paint this, this, this gorgeous picture of different aspects of prayer. So I asked our, our in-house uh, professor of literature, um, uh, Josh Prescott, to read it for us, and we record it, so it's on the screen. So watch, watch it. Here's Old 17th Prayer Century. by George Herbert. Prayer, the church's banquet, angel's age, God's breath in man returning to his birth, the soul in paraphrase, heart in pilgrimage, the Christian plummet sounding, heaven and earth engine against the almighty sinners toward reverse thunder Christ's side piercing spear the six days world transposing in an hour a kind of tune which all things hear and fear softness and peace and joy and love and bliss exalted manna gladness of the best heaven and ordinary man well-dressed, the Milky Way, the bird of paradise. Church bells beyond the stars heard, the soul's blood, the land of spices, something understood. So, so prayer is this, this big subject. We could, <clears throat> we could really take weeks and weeks and weeks to talk about the different aspects of prayer. In fact, the Bible is filled with stories of people that prayed. And it has a lot of samples of their prayers. And they're kind of models for us. And we've been reading, um, through our readings, we've been reading of different aspects of prayer. Like prayer of intercession. A prayer of, of asking God for boldness. Prayer of asking God for protection. A prayer of, of war, warfare kind of prayers. Um, you know, we were talking about this is how I, uh, I, this is how I win my battles. This is how I do it. Well, prayer is one of the most powerful 
weapons that there is. And, and different types of prayers. Prayers of asking God's forgiveness. Prayers of repentance. All these kind of prayers we've been going through. The, this poem by George Herbert captures the richness of prayer by, by carving these brilliant, these beautiful word, word metaphors. Like, like he starts and he says, and he, calls, he calls prayer the church's banquet. And I love that because very often when we think of prayer, we, we think of this solemn, kind of serious, kind of very, for some people, very boring kind of thing. And, and yet, George Herbert, he calls it the church's banquet. Now, when I think of a banquet, I, I think of something pretty cool. I think of something, what, what do you think of a, of a banquet? Talk to me, talk to me. What do you think? What's that? Celebration. All right. Somebody? Who said abundance? Yeah. Abundance. Abundance. What else? What? Extravaganza. Viva la fiesta. You know, what, what else? Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Are you hungry now? Uh, like, the other thing's people, right? People. Now, when I think, if, if I wanted to give you the best example of a banquet, I would say if you've ever been to a Filipino banquet, that's it. Like, like the, the Filipino, we, we had one here just, just uh, around Christmas, and they party, and there's lights, and there's movement, and, and food, lechon, and desserts, and all kinds of cool stuff. And they eat, and they go back and eat again, and they go back and eat again. And, and then there's just, just you know, that's, and, and here's the thing. What if, instead of thinking of prayer uh, like a chore or a discipline, we caught the vision of prayer being a banquet? A moment where you spend time with others and you spend time with God and it's a celebration, a feast, a, a beautiful moment. I, I remember years ago, and some of you who have been around for a while remember this song we used to sing from Solomon chapter 2 verse 4. He brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. I, I think of the old King James uh, 23rd Psalm that, that said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My, you anoint my head with oil, and what? My cup runneth over. And I, every time I think of that, I think of somebody holding up a cup and, and, the, and, and, and it just pouring off the sides like, give me more, you know, like uh, fill her up, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's that, that sense. And that is what the psalmist is saying that God prepares for us, a banquet encounter. Uh, Luke chapter 15 is a beautiful psalm, uh, a parable of the prodigal son. And when the prodigal son comes back, the father runs to him. And says, let's make a feast, for he is back. Let's, let's put a ring on his finger. Let's put a beautiful uh, coat on him. Let's put sandals on his feet. And let's, let's have a feast. And it, then it goes on and says that there was dancing and there was music. And I, and I think to myself, what if, what if we had a concept of prayer 
as being a banquet, a feast, a moment, an encounter. Uh, instead of this, this oh, well, you know, I got to pray now. You know, kind of. It's, this is the moment of celebration. Then he goes on. He says, "Angels age." Well, angels don't age, so it's another way of saying never ending. And and what he's what he's really saying is, when we pray, we enter the ageless, eternal dimension of the spirit world. We enter into the presence of the eternal one. The 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 ancient of days. And our prayers enter into a, a zone that's not just what we live in, but a, but a supernatural zone that is, a, that is an amazing opportunity that we have when we pray. And I love this next line in his poem. He says, God's breath in man returning to his birth. In Hebrew, the word uh, breath and the word spirit are the exact same word. And what he's bringing us back is to Genesis where, where God breathed in the first, the, the first human. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And within every human, every human that is breathing, there is this desire, there is this want, there is this want to reconnect with the one who gave you breath. And when we pray, we are, we, are like, we are like breathing back to the God that breathed in us and having that exchange, that beautiful exchange. And then he goes on, he says, soul in paraphrase, which is this beautiful way of saying that those expressions that sometimes are hard to explain in prayer, we can express them, those deep longings of the, of the soul. Uh, the, the psalmist 42 verse 1 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. There is this longing, this heart pilgrimage inside of us. This, 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 and he talks about this pilgrimage. Prayer is this pilgrimage with God and this pilgrimage to God and having this encounter with God. It's this adventure of of exploring and discovering who God is and my relationship with God. It's, it's much more than just some little thing I do. Uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, in, in the morning I just quickly get up and I say a little prayer and I go on. There's much more depth to the prayer that he's inviting us to. Then he compares prayer to the Christian plummet sounding heaven and earth. And if you go back to the 17th century, and you find what they meant by that is the, the old ships they used to travel and they would lay, let down a plummet in the water to see the depth because if the depth wasn't there, the ship would wreck. The ship would crash. And so he's using that illustration to say when we pray, we, we set the plummet to understand where we are spiritually. And in our prayer, it's an opportunity for us to realize that if we continue in the direction we're going, that that's not the direction God wants in our life. And so there's this beautiful expression of, of in prayer, it also protects us and guides us. Then the poem shifts to a more aggressive set of metaphors. L listen to these. Engine against the, the Almighty, sinner's tower, 
reverse thunder, Christ's side piercing spear, six days world transposing in one hour, a kind of tune with, 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 with all things here, all things here in fear. And so there's this idea and, and this understanding, and if you've experienced prayer in your life, that sometimes prayer is, is a battle. Sometimes prayer has this aggressive component. Uh, capture, you know, engine against the Almighty. It's like, it's like uh, the battering ram against the castle. And, and you're, you're ramming in. I, re- I remember some of the old saints when I was a kid. They used to call it storming heaven. How many remember hearing that? Storming heaven. And, 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 I mean, that's very in tune with, with what Jesus taught in Luke 18. He says, the, 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 the widow going to the judge, and she kept going and going, storming heaven. There's this, there's this, this, um, this idea that sometimes you just need to push in and storm in. And then he's, he calls it, prayer is the sinner's tower, or it's, it's, it's the place you can go for refuge, uh, Psalm 61, 3, I love this. It says, you, read it out loud with me, would you? You have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. And I find in my life, sometimes when, I, when I'm, I'm battling, most of the time, get this, most of the time I'm battling Werner. How many have discovered that most of the time you're battling you? Right. And I, I, I find it very funny, and I believe in Satan and all that, I, but I find it very funny. People, I'm just, Satan's been on my case all week, and I think, well, he doesn't even have to bother with me because most of the time, <laughs> Werner's the one I'm battling, and I have to go back to God. And as I go back to God, it, there's a realignment, and, and there is that you are my shelter, you are my strong tower. And then he, he uses this phrase that I think is so cool. He says that prayer is like reverse thunder. How many know what thunder sounds like? Can somebody dare say what sound, thunder sounds like? Can I hear some thunder here? What's that? No, that's not very loud. That's not even very loud. You know, thunder is bang, you know, like it's just, ooh. my dog is scared to death of thunder. And I, her, her hearing is way better than mine. And I, and, I, and I look and I see her. And I say to my wife, yeah, it's going to thunder. It's going to thunder. And after a while, I can hear it, you know. But, but thunder is, is this aggressive, powerful kind of attack on earth. But he says, he calls prayer reverse thunder. You know why that is reverse thunder? Because you, poof, shoot it back up into the heavens. And there's this, there's this thunderbolt of desperation. And sometimes you don't even have time to think through all the content of what you want to say you just say, God, I need your help. This past week we were reading Daniel chapter 2. 
And there's this really interesting story in Daniel chapter 2 is one of the prayer readings that we had. And there, uh, it was talking about Nebuchadnezzar, who was uh, known in history as Nebuchadnezzar the Great because he was such a powerful uh, king and emperor. He, he had one of the biggest kingdoms in history. And, and Daniel was, had been taken captive into Babylon uh, because Daniel was wise and he was part of the wise people. And, and, uh, and they grouped them all in with the magicians and the uh, um, astronomers and, and all the people that studied the stars and the dreams and stuff. And, and anyway, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And it was such a startling dream that he could not sleep. It bothered him. And, and he, was, he was very upset. And so he calls all these wise people and magicians and diviners and, and he brings them all into his, his presence and he says to them, I want you to tell me the dream. I want you to explain the dream to me. So they said to him, tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. And he says, no, you tell me the dream and then give me the interpretation. But I'm not going to tell you the dream. And they said to him, they said, Nebuchadnezzar, there is no one can do that. That is way beyond, way beyond what, what anybody can do. You tell us the dream and we can interpret the dream. And he got so upset. I mean, these, these dudes in Babylon, they would kill people. And he got so upset, he said, if you don't tell me the dream and the interpretation of the dream, I'm going to wipe you all out. So, uh, so, so Daniel goes to the king and he says, give me a little time. Give me a little time. And here's what it says in Daniel 2, 17. And I love this portion. It says, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends. And that's what I call prayer partners. Do you have friends that will intercede with you? He says, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are his prayer partners. And think about this. How desperate must have been for Daniel to know, to know that if he didn't get an answer to his prayer, it was for him. It was curtains for him. But they, they prayed. He said, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. They stormed, they stormed heaven together for an answer to prayer. That's, that's what I call reverse thunder to God and saying, we need an answer. We need an answer from you. And of course, you know the story. God revealed to Daniel and he went to the king. And then there's this beautiful prayer of praise that Daniel does, thanking God for revealing it to him. Last Sunday, Pastor Chad was talking about Lent. And if you missed it, you really should go online and get it. Um, because we start Lent on Wednesday. And, and you can go to uh, ssc.church forward slash Lent, and there's all kinds of really, really good advice on fasting and Lent. But the thing that caught my attention, something that I'd never paused to think about, was, was how fasting can be done in community. And I call it fasting partners. I always thought of fasting as something I do in the privacy of my home. 
and, and spending time, which you can, by the way. But there's something powerful, like, like Daniel had three friends that, that prayed with him to, to, to get people to say, would you fast with me? Would you take this meal and, and, and there's something I'm praying about, would you agree with me in prayer and let's fast together? Now, maybe you can't get together, but you can at least call each other, or you, you could get together, but to that urgency. And, and Pastor Chad read this verse in Joel 2.15. It says, the prophet Joel said, Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly. And you say, well, why, why was this happening? Why was the prophet calling them and saying, you, you need to come. Everybody needs to come. And you need to fast. And you need to pray. And what was the urgency? What was, what was the, 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 the reason for this uh, gathering of fasting? And if you go back to chapter 1, uh, there's the word of the Lord. And he's, he's talking about this danger that's coming. It's a warning. And it says in Joel 1.6, a nation has invaded my land, a mighty army without number. And so the response to that is this united thunder to God as a people to call on God with prayer and fasting. And I ask you, as Lent comes, what are you going to do? Do you have some prayer partners? Do you have some people that you could say, hey, what if we took Friday noon and just instead of going and filling our mouth with a big burger, and you're saying, I'd like to have one right now, by the way. Instead of doing that, why don't we go somewhere and just pray and fast together over some things that we need to shoot to God in thunder and call on the name of the Lord. So that's something for you to consider. Uh, Herbert goes on to describe this, this great act of aggression, and he says, Christ side piercing spear. And of course, that's referring to the cross that opens the way for us to have access to God in prayer. And then he goes on, he says, six day world transposing in an hour, a kind of tune which all things hear and fear. And of course he's referring to the idea that the world was created by God's voice in, in the first six days. And then he says, but prayer, get this, prayer has the power to transport, transport or transpose or change the world in one hour. It doesn't need six days, one hour. And there's this powerful transformation. It's like when you, when you change, when you transport a, transpose a tune, you take it from, from one key, like, uh, like a, a flat, and you transpose it to C. You change the whole sense of the music. Prayer has the ability to take a situation and completely shift it to another feel in moments of, it's the power of prayer. I, I, I thought of the little story of the two, two boys that were arguing. And they got pretty animated. And one kid said to the other, You wait till I tell my father. 
you don't know my father. And the other kid says, you wait till I tell my grandmother. And he goes, your grandmother? Oh, my grandmother. He says, why? Your grandmother? Yeah, when grandma prays, heaven and earth move. <laughs> you know, how many of you have ever known a grandmother like that? How many of you known a mom like that? You know, my, my son calls me and he says, Dad, Dad, I need you to pray with me. And, and, or you call mom. He says, Mom, please, I need, I need God to answer prayer. Can you pray? And I always say to them the same thing. I'll pray for you, but you pray for you too. You do some praying yourself. You pray, you know, or he'll say, Dad, will you pray for little Autumn? Autumn is really sick. And I'll say, yeah, why don't you pray for her? You know, because... You know, but prayer has that power to transform. Now the tone of the poem changes completely to a lighter and more delightful aspect of prayer because prayer has all these different aspects. He says, softness and peace, joy and love and bliss, exalted manna, gladness of the best, heaven in ordinary, man well dressed. When Jesus became, this is a beautiful thing of heaven in ordinary, man well-dressed. There's this beautiful idea that Jesus comes to us and, and the, the heaven and the world come together through Jesus. And Jesus lets go of all of his, 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 his glory and he becomes, he, he becomes ordinary. And, and he is ordinary. Through him, we are elevated to this holy attire this, that we can come boldly into the presence of God, unashamed, unabashed, understanding that we are, we are free to come into his presence. I, I love this verse. And you, when you read Hebrews, you're going to come, come to it. Hebrews 4, 16. It says, let us therefore... Why is it therefore, therefore? is because previously he's talking about what Jesus did for us. And he says, because of what Jesus did for us, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. All of that is prayer. You can come to him. Uh, then he goes on, he says, the Milky Way, the bird of paradise. And... and this talks about the mystery of prayer. In, in, in ancient uh, times, they had this myth, mythical idea before they were able to travel around the world, but they had this mythical idea that there was this bird of paradise that had no legs and no wings, and it was beautiful, and it would fly and never had to land. And, and, and it was just like this imaginary amazing thing that nobody understood how that could happen. And so he's telling us the mystery of prayer. And he, and he, he says, you know, there's this, this beauty in prayer, this mystery in prayer, the Milky Way. How many have ever stood outside and, in a clear night and just looked at the Milky Way? How many have done that? Just, I want to see your hand. You, you, and you stare and you go, wow. And there's this, you think, well, wow, how many stars, how many planets and 
and what's out there. And in prayer, it doesn't matter how much you learn to pray. There's always more mystery to it. There's almost more beauty. The mystery of prayer. Prayer is like that beautiful awe and mystery. And he goes on, he says, Church bells beyond the stars heard. The soul's blood. The, the soul's blood is, is spiritually prayer is your bloodstream that gives you your life as a believer in God. The land of spices. And then George Herbert closes this amazing collection of word pictures with this final description of prayer, which is really, really interesting because it's only two simple words. And I want to kind of zone in on this as we close because he says, prayer is something understood. Can you say that with me? Prayer is something understood. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a gentleman and he was describing to me that he had to get a hip surgery. And he was telling me the pain that his hip was having. And, and he was describing this all to me like he was trying to get me to understand what, what, what he was going through. But you see, a few years ago, I had hip surgery. And how many know that if you've had hip surgery, you probably understand somebody that's had hip surgery? Because you've been through that. And so I was able to tell him, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you have to go through. Why? Because it was something I had gone through. George Herbert describes prayer with such eloquence and beauty. Outside of the fact that he has a tremendous ability to poetry. But it's because George Herbert was a man of prayer. He understood prayer. He experienced prayer. For him, prayer was something understood. When you describe some of the things of prayer, if you've never encountered prayer in your life, you'd say, wow, that's, oh, I don't. But if you talk to people who have been deep into prayer and have understood prayer, some of this stuff like, uh, you know, a banquet, uh, thunder, peace, love, bliss, manna, the soul's blood, the, the, having this, this, this place to go to for protection and for covering, to them, that, that's, they understand that stuff because they've experienced it. And what I'm telling you here, and I want you to listen to me carefully, is prayer is not taught. Prayer is caught. You can... You can You can read all kinds of books about prayer, and there's good books. I got a whole bunch of them, and I've read all kinds of books on prayer. But I'm going to tell you something. You can fill your mind with prayer information, but the only way you'll experience prayer is actually praying. I could preach on prayer, for the rest of the year, every week. And there would be many people that would never progress at all in their prayer life 
in their prayer experience because it would just be noise and information. But you can start in your life and you can say, I want to explore prayer in my life. And you can learn more in those encounters than any sermon you'll ever hear. The problem with North America is, is you can leave here and you can go online, you can listen to 50 more sermons today. Do you know you can do that? Some of you do that, so I, I know that. And then you go, well, I like this one more than this one, and I like this one more than this one. Oh, I like what this guy said. And I want you to know something. That is of absolute no value unless you put it into action in your life. You don't need more sermons about prayer. You just need to pray. Prayer is something that is experienced, that is practiced. And as you do it, something understood. Learning to pray, the best way is by praying. No one learns to pray but someone telling them to pray. We begin to understand prayer when we start to pray. Let me just remind you that Wednesday, you got three days to think through, what am I going to do during Lent? Lent for me is, is like... Um, your yearly car inspection. It's, it's like saying, God, examine my life. You go to the car inspection, they check your lights and your brakes and they check your stuff and they check all of that. And Lent is a time when we come to God and, and set aside a bunch of distractions and we spend time with God in a, in a different way. And we say, God, I, I, I want to deepen my relationship with you. And, and there's going to be many people, many people that will just go through Lent, this beautiful season, come to Easter, and no change in their life, none whatsoever. Or you can say to yourself, I am going to make some, I'm going to just really, these are the things I'm going to do. Whether it's getting prayer partners or fasting or I mean, you, there's all kinds of information to, to help you how to do things better. But I'm encouraging you today. You got, you got today, the rest of the day, Monday and Tuesday to think through and say, what am I going to do different during, during the Lent season? How am I going to learn to better understand prayer? What, 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 how am I going to incorporate that into my life? In the first service, I, I, I was talking to a gentleman and I asked him, what are you going to do different? And he said, you know, I've already started. He said, the last two weeks, I'm starting to pray every day in a consistent way. I'm kneeling. You remember we talked about kneeling? I'm kneeling now when I pray. Just, just as an act of worship to God. We raise our hands, we kneel. And he said, and he said, and I'm also calling God Abba Father. And praying to God and calling him my in a deep, endearing way. And he said, it's just really transforming my life. 
I'm asking you, what are you going to do different? That when Easter weekend comes, Easter Sunday, you can be able to say something understood. Something more that I understand about prayer. Does that make sense? Could you stand, please? Why don't you think of something right now? Just start making plans. Is there a time when you're going to shift away from the burger and spend quiet time with God? Or with somebody else together spending time with God? Just letting God examine your heart and speak to you. Or maybe you need, there's a thunder, reverse thunder you need to ask somebody to pray with you on to break through, to do battle, to, to see the answers of prayer in your life. What are you going to do different? Father, I pray that we would not be just hearers of the word, that we would not be just people that have information, but that we would be people of transformation, that our lives would be different. In Jesus' name, Lord, speak to our hearts. May we arrive at Easter weekend with something understood deeper about prayer. In Jesus' name. Would you take a minute and just turn to someone and tell them, what, what, ask them, what are you going to do? Just see what they say, just for fun. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do you know? What are you going to do different? How are you going to how are you going to understand prayer better in your life? In the back there. What are you going to do, guys? In the back. Did you get some ideas? Did you hear some stuff? McDonald's is going to lose some money? Huh? You know, fast food's too expensive anyway. You can save money. What are you going to do? God bless you. Have a good week. We're so glad that you've joined us. You know, you are part of something bigger and we want to invite you to get involved to really be part of the team you can help make ministry happen either by volunteering or by financially partnering with us if you'd like to give you can head over to ssc.church give and you can even sign up for automatic withdrawals so that you know that your money is consistently making a difference and you are inspiring others to follow Jesus. Why not start today? Head on over to ssc.church slash give and sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you in the week to come.